looking this morning to the Old Testament book of Joshua. Joshua chapter 3 is where we're going to be today. Joshua chapter 3. Uh, while passing through a small town on vacation, a man entered into an old country store and there was a sign that said, Beware of Dog. And uh, he was afraid of dogs. This man had actually been bit by a dog, he said, when he was younger. And, and uh, when he looked around the corner to see the dog, he saw a really old, well-fed dog, you know, the kind with gray whiskers sitting there. And, and he asked the man behind the counter, almost joking, he said, is this the dog I'm supposed to be aware of? And the man behind the counter said, yes. He said, you know, before I put that sign up, people used to trip over him all the time. I had to put a beware of the dog sign. And, and sometimes danger is not as obvious as we might think. And uh, as, as we continue our study today entitled Ready or Not, we're going to find that when life is coming quickly, sometimes we're confronted with a sign or with a situation that needs to be understood. Dealing with life is dealing with decisions, and we must have the facts before we act. We need to know where we're going and why we're heading that way and how we're going to get there. And this means that a lot of times in our busy world, we need to learn the discipline of just slowing down and stopping for a moment, of listening and being, being patient. In fact, James, the brother, half-brother of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, said this. He said, knowing that the trying of your faith worketh patience. And you know, God allows times to enter into our lives where He'll slow us down intentionally. He'll cause us to wait so we can slow down and recalibrate our, our directions. So we can determine again, where is it that we are going? And and uh, having a proper perspective in life, it's an essential ingredient to success. A, a construction worker might say it this way, measure twice, cut once. And so God wants us to know when we're heading in life that we're on the right track. And in this study, Joshua hears the new leader, and he wants to do God's will for his life, but he knows it needs to be done the way God wants it to be done, and it needs to be done in the time that God wants it to be done. And so we're going to see him as he works with God's timing. Would you all be so kind as to join me in standing today as we look to the reading of God's word? Joshua chapter 3 is where we're going to be. And Joshua was this man that wanted to do God's will, and for that reason, he had to understand a little bit about God's timing. Joshua chapter 3 is where we're going to be today. In verse 1, the Bible says this, And Joshua rose early in the morning. And I'm going to read on, but it's interesting to me as we study the Bible, there are so many occasions when we find those that got so much done in the Bible where God chooses to mention in his word, they got up early. Now, this has no bearing on what shift you work, but I find in scripture a principle that, that those that got a lot done, they kind of had a mind to work. And Joshua was the kind of man, hey, I've got a full day of work. I'm going to get up early, and, and uh, I think that's worth taking note that, that God just seems to drop that in here. It's, it's not unimportant or uh, unnecessary. It's a great lesson there. He, he got up early in the morning, and, and they removed from Shittim and came to Jordan, he and all the children of Israel, and lodged there before they passed over. And it came to pass after three days, I might add there, after three long days, days of waiting, after three days, that the officers went through the host. And they commanded the people, saying, When you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God, and the priests, the Levites, bearing it, then you shall remove from your place and go after it. Yet there shall be a space between you and it, about two thousand cubits by measure. Come not near unto it, that ye may know the way by which you must go. For ye have not passed this way heretofore. Now let me just stop and kind of catch us up to speed before we read on. 
Basically, the message to the people that Joshua's leading is this. Hey, we're going to go, but we're going to have to wait a bit. And we'll know it's time to go when the Ark of the Covenant leads the way. And, and of course, that would have been a, a picture for them of the presence of God. We've got to wait on the Lord in this situation. Now, don't get too close to the Ark of the Covenant, they said. It's containing the presence of God. God is holy. And, and yet he's saying, but stay close enough. And the reason in the end of verse 4, he said this, because you've never been where we're going before. You don't know the way, you don't know the directions, you don't know the coordinates to plug into a GPS. You, you just don't know where we're going. So for that reason, you've got to make sure you stay close enough that you can follow those in front of you. How many of you have ever followed somebody in a busy street and a light turns yellow and you've got to step on the gas just to stay up with them? You don't want to lose them. And that kind of was the message in this. You, you've got to leave enough distance there. You know, this is the, the, the Ark of the Covenant. But you want to stay close enough that you don't get lost by a yellow light or a red light. You're, you're following very closely verse 5 Joshua said unto the people sanctify yourselves for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you and Joshua spake unto the priest saying take up the ark of the covenant and pass over before the people and they took up the ark of the covenant and went before the people the Lord said unto Joshua this day will I begin to magnify thee in the sight of all Israel that they may know that as I was with Moses so I will be with thee. It's so interesting to me that Joshua was called by God to a job that was bigger than he was. And God began to build him from the inside out. He made him ready. His life was coming at him quickly. But then God basically told Joshua here, Joshua, you, need to, you don't need to worry about trying to impress others. You just do what I've given you to do. You just be faithful. You just obey me. And, and I'll make sure that, that your reputation, your image among these people you're leading is what it needs to be. I'll take care of that. And Joshua was more than happy to leave all of that in the hands of God. Let's look at verse 8. The Bible says, And thou shalt command the priests that bear the ark of the covenant, saying, When ye are come to the brink of the water of Jordan, ye shall stand still in Jordan. And Joshua said unto the children of Israel, Come hither and hear the words of the Lord your God. And Joshua said, Hereby ye shall know that the living God is among you. And that he will, without fail, drive out from before you the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Hivites and the Perizzites and the Girgashites and the Amorites and the Jebusites. A lot of ites there, huh? These are the enemies they're going to have to face. And, and the land is called Canaan. The river separating them from Canaan is called Jordan. That's the river mentioned in this text. And, and they're beginning to find out some of the enemies awaiting them on the other side. Verse 11, Behold, the ark of the covenant of the Lord of all the earth passeth over before you into Jordan. I want you, if you would, please, to go back to the end of verse 4, because I think there's a statement here that's so key. Now, the Bible says this in the end of verse 4, you have not passed this way heretofore. I just like that expression, you haven't passed this way. Uh, you're boldly going where you've never been before. And uh, I want us to think on, on this together today. So let's ask God to bless our study. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Our Father, we do thank you today that you are a God that cares, a God that works in our lives, a God that, that prepares us for those moments, Lord, that maybe we never could have expected. And uh, I pray for this moment and for these people. And I would ask you, Lord, to open our spiritual eyesight so that we may see and hear, so that we may learn and, and obey what we find in, in, in your word. Uh, Lord, help us to come into your presence today with that appropriate and sense of awe and wonder and God I am well aware that that I and myself can do nothing 
but I know that as you help, you can help all of us today. And so I ask you to help me to be the teacher I need to be. We pray this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. I was traveling on the 405 freeway a few weeks ago, very early on a Saturday morning, and as I was driving south from L.A. County through Orange County into San Diego County, making my way home, I saw a sign, and it said, Freeway Closed. And I thought to myself, there's no way you can close the freeway. I mean, the 405 freeway is a major freeway. It's almost un-American to close a freeway. You know, I, I thought to myself, I misread the sign. You can't close a freeway. And uh, yet as I was driving, they closed one lane and then the next and then the next. And finally, I'm on just this one lane, the slow lane, as we call it. And that kind of pushed me off to an exit in a residential area in a part of Orange County that, that I didn't know super well. And it was kind of a frustration because I, I knew in general, hey, I'm heading south. I'm making my way back down the coast, making my way to San Diego County, trying to get home. But it put me off in a part of town that I didn't really know well. And there weren't a lot of detour signs and a few arrows, but not great direction. So here I am just driving around and, and I knew where I was in general. I knew specifically where I needed to go. It's just I was having a hard time getting there. I was having a hard time making my way. And sometimes in life, we have those occasions where we have a sense of awareness as to where we are. Sometimes we can kid ourselves or deceive ourselves, but there are those moments of vivid clarity where we have an understanding of where we are, and we have an understanding of where it is we believe we need to go. But sometimes it's frustrating when we seem to find that the way is being blocked. There's obstacles, there's detours, there's difficulties. We know where we are, we know where it is that we need to go, but we're frustrated as we're trying to make our way. Maybe you're here today, and in your heart we speak a lot of being a Christian and knowing you have a relationship with God. And maybe in your heart today your thought is, you know something? I'm not certain about that. I'm not sure where I stand in terms of a relationship with God. I, I don't really know what to think of it all. And, and maybe as you're trying to work through that in your heart and mind, you might even say, I would love to have an absolute confidence of a relationship with God. I just don't. And it's a frustration because you know where you are and you know where it is you'd like to be, but finding the way just seems a little bit tedious, a little bit, a little bit difficult. Maybe you're here today and there's no question in your heart that you have a relationship with God, but, but maybe you're thinking of spiritual growth. And you read the Bible and it seems like there's nothing in it for you. And you pray and it seems like nothing comes of it all. And, and so you're, you're having a little difficulty in your spiritual life. You know you want to grow. You know there's progress to be made. You know where you are and where you'd like to be, but it's a little difficult getting from point A to point B. And to make matters worse, maybe in your life you're looking at others. And in the very areas where it seems that you're struggling, they seem to be having great success. And maybe the key word in that is they seem to be. But oftentimes, when, when we feel a little frustration and a lack of progress in our lives, we'll look around and find others, and they seem to be making great progress. And it's frustrating along the way. That is so often how it happens in life. That's kind of how it was for Joshua in this text. He knew where he was, and he knew where he needed to be, and there was a great big river at flood stage in between him and the land the Bible calls Canaan. He'd been faced with obstacle after obstacle. In time, the breakthrough would come. We know that, but there were just so many obstacles. In the story of Joshua, a little bit by way of, of review, we know that, that uh, he was saved from captivity in Egypt by God. God liberated him from Egypt. And, and as they departed from Egypt, they passed through the Red Sea. And we mentioned that briefly last week in our study. And then they spent... About 40 years in the wilderness as they wandered, the Bible says, making their way to 
Canaan land, that, that place in the Bible that God had set aside for his people. That's Joshua's story. And if you're a Christian today, I want you to know, in a, in a sense, that's your story. Now, you haven't been saved from Egypt, but if you're a Christian, you've been saved from the captivity we have in sin and, and, and uh, uh, how death can hold us captive. We understand that. You've been saved in that sense. And you may not have passed through the waters of the Red Sea, but if you followed the Lord's first command to new believers of believers' baptism, you've passed through the waters in that way. And you may not have wandered for 40 years in, in the wilderness in a desert time experience, but many times in our Christian lives we can relate to those seasons, those moments where we're kind of wandering through a desert season in, in life, we, we know, I believe, a little bit more than we might think we do about Joshua. And if you're seeking to move forward in your spiritual life, you know that at times it feels like progress isn't being made. Joshua's life to this point brought him to an overflowing river that served as that final obstacle between him and the land that we call Canaan land. Sometimes we call it Israel. Some today in the news will call it Palestine or the Holy Land. But it's this land that God had set aside for his people. I want you to know today as we kind of get some terms nailed down before we move on in our study. That Canaan land is not what sometimes we think. It's not a picture of heaven. I've heard a lot, great, a lot of great Christian songs I really enjoy that kind of paint Canaan land in the Bible as a symbol or a picture of of heaven and and it's it's not that at all in, in fact as as god was was answering the prayers of his people and being incredibly honest with them in exodus chapter 3 and verse 8 he said this he said i'm come down to deliver them out of the hand of the egyptians and to bring them up out of that land unto a good land and a large land and he goes on to say it's a land flowing with milk and honey god says i want you to know about this land i've set aside for you it's great it's wonderful. It's got everything you need and more. As we sang in the, in the choir song a moment ago, he's more than enough. And, and, and that's the kind of land God was talking about. But then he said it's the place of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Perizzites and all these other ites. He, he was being incredibly honest. He said, I want you to know I've got a, I've got a land for you, but it's a land that's currently occupied. That means there's going to be some battles to be fought. There's going to be some victories that will need to be won. Oh, Canaanite, uh, uh, Canaan land rather is not a picture of heaven. Canaan is a picture of the victorious Christian life. We're called out and saved by God in response to our faith in that which he has done. And we begin to grow in our Christian life and we spend some time learning and so forth and then we come to a place not where all the battles are done but a place where we enter into an abundant christian life how many of you are glad to know that in heaven there are no battles and there are there's no pain and there are no more tears heaven is going to be far better than canaan but canaan is better than the wilderness it's a picture of the victorious christian life it's been said that the greatest book about the bible is the bible itself and one of the reasons this statement is made is that the Old Testament provides us with pictures and types of what we find in Jesus Christ in the New Testament. For example, the Apostle Paul in the New Testament, Romans chapter 15, he said this. He said, for whatsoever things were written aforetime, referring to the Old Testament, he, he said, uh, they were written for our learning, that we, through patience and comfort of the Scriptures, might have hope. Here's what Paul was saying. He said, you know, all you people living in the New Testament age, and we'd be in that. He said, when you read the Old Testament, the stuff that's already been written, you've got to know that it's been written for a reason, so that we can learn. And so that we, through what we read in the Old Testament, can, can have patience and comfort and hope. And then he goes on to identify that we have hope 
in Jesus Christ. There are some insights, Paul is saying, in the Old Testament that God put there so we can learn things about our own lives. And as we study the life of Joshua, we're not studying antiquity. We're not studying history. We're not just studying a character we find in the Bible. We're studying details that affect our own lives. I can't wait to share with you what it is we're going to learn today. You have your, note, your notebooks nearby? Let's get involved in this. The first element I find in this text is this. A quickly paced life doesn't mean a rushed life. A quickly paced life does not mean a rushed life. Now, life here was coming quickly to Joshua, but he still found value in times of reflection and waiting. There was an obstacle before him, but he knew that he could not force or, or coerce his way into victory. He had to simply wait on God. There's a cliche that says this, haste makes waste. Let me tell you something, that's true. And when we get in a position in life, in a condition in life where we're trying to push our way through, we're going to make some terrible mistakes along the way. I want you to know God does have a place for you to go, and he has a way for you to get there. But just as important in the place and the way is God's timing. And you see, this was a component Joshua, early on in his life as a leader, is just starting to bring into his life. God, I need to know when to go. I, I need to wait on your timing in life. Can I tell you today, one of the hardest things to do in life is just wait. Wait around. It's, it's frustrating. It can be irritating. I'm not a fan of waiting. I would much rather do something than wait. But friends, we're not going to go anywhere worthwhile in life if we don't learn the value of perspective that comes from waiting on God. You remember when God was talking to, to Joshua last week in our study, and over and over and over we emphasized, he just repeated to Joshua, look, there's some things that I've prepared for you that you're going to need. You know, like strength and courage. And, and he just emphasized that over and over and over, God did. Well, I want you to think of some words the psalmist has made in relationship to waiting on God and the provision that we all need in the course of our lives. The psalmist says this, Wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. If you would have said, Joshua, would you boil down what God says you're going to need and what he's going to give you more than anything else? Joshua would have had to have said, strength and courage. And the Bible connects them together with this word wait, of this matter of, of many times just a, a patience. You'll notice the verse says, be of good courage. And it takes courage to wait on the Lord. For the last couple months, I've been really putting together a ministry plan for our church for next year and beyond. Many of you know this year we celebrated our 15th anniversary together as a church, and God's let me be a part of that since the beginning. I'm so thankful. And uh, I, I think of all the ways to start a church, I probably did it the, the, the worst way, the most difficult way. I wish we'd have been a little more deliberate in getting a group together, but we did it the way we did it, and I, I thank God it's because of Him and not because of any of us, right? God is good. Having said all of that, I think we're scratching the surface on some big things yet to come, and I'm, I'm so excited about it. And with 15 years behind me, I'm looking ahead to however it is many years I've, I've got ahead of me here. And I'm dreaming some big dreams. And as I'm working on this plan, I'm, I'm, I'm all the time trying to push the envelope. And where can we go? And what can we do? And, and how can more people be reached? And how can more people be helped? And, and it's not about ambition. It's not about pride. It's about a desire to get the name of Jesus out to as many people as can possibly hear of him and hopefully come to know him. But you know, in all of that process, God's had times where he's had to tell me, hey, Steve, wait. Be still. 
slow down. I, I know there's a river in front of you, and I know there's a victory on the other side, and you're going to get there in due time, but sometimes you've got to spend three days on this side of, of the river. You've got to sometimes just wait and gain a perspective that can only be found that way. And waiting goes so contrary to the way most of us are put together because we're all prone to impatience. And when we rush, we look really bad in the process. I remember a few Sundays ago, maybe a little more than that, it was, it was Father's Day. We got done with church, and, and, and after our morning services, I mean, that would be kind of like maybe working overtime on a Friday after a long week, you know, the way my schedule goes. And, and uh, typically, I want to do one thing. I want to go home, and I want to sit on the couch and watch a little football, of course, get some food in there, and, and um, uh, just tired. You guys can understand that. And, and so we, we came to the end of, of the services on, on Father's Day, and, and my wife, Lisa, said, hey, we want to take you out to lunch for Father's Day. And I'm thinking, okay, all right, very good. And I'd, I'd rather sit on my couch than in a booth, you know. Uh, but they were being kind. And so I thought, all right, uh, that's what we'll do. We'll go out to lunch. And so they took me to a Mexican restaurant I like, and we went in there. And, and uh, uh, I, I wasn't being totally crabby, but just a little bit intense, a little bit tired, and, and wanting just to, all right, let's do this, and, and then I can get home. And, and just rushed right in and kind of sat down at the table we always sit at. And, and uh, we sat there for a little bit, and we all were a little bit flustered. That's just kind of the time where we're at our worst, really, in terms of just depleted, you know. And uh, so we're sitting there, we're sitting there, and the, and the waiter didn't come over. And we go there a lot, and the waiter knows us. And, and, and we waited and waited and waited, and finally it just, it just overcame me all at once. Hey, what's this guy doing? We've been here a long time. I said, hey, Art, Arturo. <laughs> and uh, he came over, you know, and I said, Hey, man, we've been here a while. We just want to, like, eat and go. We've got some things to do this afternoon. And, and uh, he said, Senor, it's Father's Day. I said, yeah, I, I know it's Father's Day, and we like to eat on Father's Day, too, you know. And, I, and uh, we're, we're, we, know, we know Arturo. And, and uh, he said, but Senor, on Father's Day, no menus. It's a buffet, you know. And here we are. We'd rushed in there so fast. We, we walked right by the buffet tables, and we were all just kind of spaced. And, and, you know, sometimes when we rush, we miss things that we shouldn't miss, and we end up looking needlessly foolish. And, and when we live life that way, we can get ourselves in situations where we're not just a little bit embarrassed, but we can, we can actually cause ourselves some great harm along the way. Joshua was a man of action, but he had enough wisdom to wait on God's timing in his life. He knew that if he got ahead of God's plan, he'd end up looking really bad in the process and and when you're a leader, not only will you hurt yourself, but you hurt those around you many times. You take them to those places with you. And so Joshua had to learn that a quickly paced life, it doesn't mean a rushed life. But, you know, we also find in this text another truth. We find that patience leads to progress. Patience leads to progress. We read a moment ago, but let's look again at verses 2 and 3 in our text. The Bible says this, and it came to pass after three days, three days, that the officers went through the host and they commanded the people saying, when you, seek, uh, the, when you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God and the priests, uh, the Levites bearing it, then ye shall remove from your place, go after it. Three days, wait, hold on, slow down, just wait a minute, and then go after it. Patience, then progress. You know, when Joshua took the time to wait, he became more prepared for what was to become now i'm not an advocate today of lackadaisical living i'm not a i'm not an advocate today of lazy living or a life of low dreams i'm i'm not an advocate of any of that today i think we ought to we ought to go after it in life we ought to go for it 
in life. But, but what we are seeing here is the fact many times in life, we in our busyness, we exert energy with little to show for it. We're spinning our wheels. We find validation in the fact, boy, I'm just so busy. And we never ask the question, yeah, but what are we getting done? And I think we've all had those days where at the end of the day, we're just wiped out. And it's like, what'd you do? And it's like, I have no idea, but I did it all day long. And I'm, I'm tired. And, and I want you to know, patience leads to progress. When direction came, it was made clear. It was by way of the Ark of the Covenant. And again, the Ark of the Covenant was that sacred piece of furniture for these followers of Jehovah God. It represented his presence to them, and, and the Ark of the Covenant led the way. Basically, what Joshua was saying here is this. If we're going to know victory, it's going to be as we follow God. He's going to go before us. He's going to make the way. He's going to part the waters. He's going he's to provide victory for us. What we need to do then, was being said, is this. We need to follow God. And friends, it's the same way in our Christian lives. We have to follow the leading of Jesus Christ. That's why Peter very carefully told us in 1 Peter 2, he said this. He said, for even hereunto were you called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow his steps. You see, as we take the time to be patient, and, and we yield to God, and we listen to God, and we learn from God, and we're following the example established by God the Son, Jesus Christ, we're going to see progress in our life. It's important for all of us to learn today that every opportunity is not an obligation. I don't know if that's in your notes, but if, if, you, if, you, if you've got children at home still, I want you to write that statement down in your notes today. I want you to understand that we've got a principle in life that every opportunity is not an obligation because so often in life what gets us in trouble is we just say yes to everything that comes along. And then we just get totally overloaded. And we're doing a lot of stuff, but we're not doing our best stuff. We're doing a lot of things, but we're not doing the main things that God has given us to do. When we weigh our actions based on what we know to be true from God's word, we find the impact that we're looking for. And sometimes in life, we have to say no to some things, even good things, so that we can say yes to the greater things, to the big things. You know, I've welcomed in my own life unnecessary pain from desperately wanting to move forward and making rash decisions at times without getting the facts, without thinking through it. Unnecessary pain. I've had other times in my life where I waited on the Lord and I was patient. And I let the Lord show me and teach me and then guide me and I followed Him. And sometimes when we're in a waiting time in life, we feel like, man, I'm wasting all this time. But you know what I found out? If we'll be patient and wait on God when we finally do get to rolling, man, we'll make, we'll make ground up that we can't even believe. When we're patient, then God can, can take little and make it much. And, and God can do great things when we have a heart that says, you know something, I, I'll, I'll follow the Lord. I'll go in His time. I think of an occasion later in Israel's history when, when the people got ahead of God. And of course, when they got ahead of God, they had all kinds of trouble. They weren't following God. They were out in, in front of God trying to get God to follow them, so to speak. And, and the wheels came off. They had all kinds of problems. And, and God sent a prophet to them to take His word to them, as He so often did. And, and the, the prophet was telling them basically hey if you'll come back to God you'll find that he in a short amount of time can make up for what you've lost over a big amount of time 
The prophet Joel told them that God said that he would restore to you the years that the locust had eaten. And he went on and on, but he was saying this, you follow God, you live God's way, and you'll find that God in a short amount of time can get a whole lot more done than we think we can get done in a long, long time. Patience leads to progress. But here's the fulcrum it all hinges on, this third thought today. Humility leads to patience. Humility leads to patience. The end of this passage is the fact that the Ark of the Covenant did go before the people. And God promised not just that there would be battles to come, but that he would fight the battles. But there was an attitude that we have to see before we'll ever be patient. And before we'll ever know the progress that comes by way of patience. And the attitude is this. Humility. Humility. It's that humble heart before God, a heart that that readily admits to the Lord, God, I need you in my life. Now, Joshua was a great leader. He was a successful leader. But I want you to listen to what he said. In in our text we read a moment ago, he said, uh, yet there shall be a space between you and it, about 2,000 cubits by measure. Come not near unto it, that you may know the way by which you must go. He's talking about the Ark of the Covenant. Uh, get close, not too close, it's God, but, but get close and, and uh, you'll know the way you need to go. Now listen to this. He said, for ye have not passed this way heretofore. Joshua as their leader said, guys, here's the fact of the matter. We've never lived this day before. We've never made this walk before. We've never made this journey before. We're entering into a stage in our lives, in our existence, that we never before have done. And in other words, he was saying, we each day of our lives need to have humility before God that says, God, I've never done this before. I really need you. Now, that's a sobering thought that should keep all of us closely following God's commands. I I dearly love my family. Most of you know I'm... Um, my wife, Lisa, and, and uh, we have two children. And uh, I'm thankful we got some great advice when our children were young. Uh, we came to understand that if we would instill some things in the lives of our daughters when they were young, we would really avoid a lot of heartache and difficulty when they got bigger. Now, I'm using hyperbole here, but if you're going to fight with your children, it's better to fight with them when they're little than when they're almost your size because you're more likely to win, right? So we thought there's some battles we'd rather deal with on this side of things. And so we worked and we were deliberate and we worked with them and we loved on them. And I use fight, obviously, uh, not literally, but we, we tried to love them and train them and help them. And I want you to know something. If you know our family, you'd say, nope, they're not a perfect family at all, but but. We saw some good things happen as a result of being delivered at this stage. Now, now that they're, they're growing and, and uh, they're not, not little anymore, there are some victories that have been won and some battles that have been avoided because we're deliberate on that end. So, does that mean we're in easy street? Listen, I, I want you to see this by way of, of, of illustration. The, the last year, as a dad, having said all that, it's been the most challenging of them all. Now, I'm not throwing my kids under the bus. What, what I'm saying is, I've prayed more. Spent more time talking. 
More time thinking, more time planning, uh, uh, all of that. Here's the thought. I'm never going to reach a day in life where I can wake up and say, I've done this before, been here, done that, got the t-shirt, know all about it, no surprises here. I know exactly what's going to happen. Every day of my life, if I'm going to make progress, I've got to wake up with a humility that leads to patience, that leads to progress. And the attitude of humility says, you know what? I could still blow this thing royally, and I need every bit of wisdom God has to give me today. And I don't have any idea how to do the things that are in my future unless God and his love and his grace shows me friends there's no more damaging attitude in all of the world than a know-it-all attitude you cannot teach a know-it-all person if i were today say how many of you have a know-it-all attitude no one would raise their hand but the fact is we all do to a degree some it's a major struggle in your life others maybe not as much but all of us have it in us to have a know-it-all attitude and when we have a know-it-all attitude we're not humble We're not seeking the way. We're not following the leadership. It always breaks my heart when I see people that should know better having that know-it-all attitude. I think of the Apostle Paul. What a great Christian. Let's look what he said in the book of Philippians. He said, it's not as though I'd already attained. Either we're already perfect. But I follow after. Follow after it. Remember those words? He said, I follow after. I'm following God. If that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Now, there's a lot happening in that verse. He basically said, I want to get a hold of this thing that's gotten a hold of me, but I love the thought. It's not like I've already arrived. He said, it's not like I'm totally mature or perfected. Apostle Paul, maybe the greatest Christian in in, in the history of of the New Testament, the most effective missionary in the history of missions, the author of of, uh, the majority of the New Testament. This is a man that did so much. And you'd say, Paul, you're awesome. And Paul would say, no, I'm not. Man, I haven't arrived. I don't know it all. I'm not totally mature or perfect. I've, I've got a lot that I need to learn in life. He said, I've made some progress, yes, but but I haven't arrived. So I keep following. Joshua could wake up every day and say, you know, I haven't lived this day. Therefore, I need to follow God. We might say Joshua was such a great leader. He knew so much. And I think if Joshua were here with us today, he'd interrupt that thought and say, no, you guys are missing the point altogether. It's not me. It's God. I think Joshua would say, no, 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 I, I, I didn't know all the answers. I didn't even know all the questions. I was in a position where I didn't even know what to do most of the time. But God, in his grace, when I would come and humble myself before him and be patient to wait, he brought the progress that was needed. I just love that. You remember last week when God was talking to Joshua in our study and he was encouraging him? He shared the secret of success, and it's not much of a secret if, if it's been shared in God's word, right? But, but it's how we are to have success. And so God is sharing with Joshua these words. He said this book of the law, he's referring here to the law of God. In our vernacular, we'd say the Bible. Shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then... Thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Was Joshua successful in his life? Absolutely he was. Testimony is found in Scripture to to the greatness of all that he accomplished. Why? Well, God told him in advance what he needed to do to be successful. And if he was successful at the end, we can know these things were done. He would get in the Word of God and he'd meditate on it. He'd let his mind ruminate on it, he'd think on it, he'd read it, he'd study it, and then he would observe to do. In other words, he, he, he wouldn't observe it in the sense of looking at it, he kept it. He 
said this is what God says to do and this is what I'll do and then after he knew the word of God and obeyed the word of God then he found that the way was successful the whole statement basically says this take time to slow down and listen to the word of God so that you can do the word of God and then you'll have success that only God can bring and all of that requires awareness that we need God's direction in life this is a perspective we need sometimes I'll hear theological words big theological words with too many letters in them and and as I'm teaching I'll think you know I forget that word let's, let's find a different word that you know we might be more familiar with or something but every now and then I come across a word and I think you know what we need to know this one Because there's a perspective that helps me greatly when I want to go forward in life and when I'm aware of my inability. It's really great to know about the God we're following. The Bible tells us some things about our God, and I want us to think of these. The Bible tells us uh, uh, of our God that he's omniscient. Now, th- now that word, omni, all, and in the end you get the idea of knowing. Our God is all-knowing. I want you to know that about God. Now, I said the most dangerous attitude we can have is a know-it-all attitude, but let me tell you something. Our God, He knows it all. He's Uh, all-knowing. That's a reality of our God. He's omnipotent, which means He's all-powerful. You see, God's telling us to be strong because we're weak, just like the Bible tells us at times to be not afraid because we're overcome with fear so often. And so God is is, is a God that can encourage us with the reality that he's got all power and our God is omnipresent. That means he's everywhere at the same time. I love the way the psalmist in Psalm 139 put it. He said, where shall I go from thy spirit? Where shall I flee from thy presence? If I ascend up into heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, thou art there. The psalmist is saying, God, you're everywhere. And I want you to know as you're here today that God was in your yesterday with you. He might have been behind the scenes. You may not have even recognized his presence. But God that lives outside of the realm of time was in your yesterday. And I believe that God is with us in this moment in our todays. But here's the truth I want you to leave with today. God is already in your tomorrow. I know you haven't gotten there yet. You haven't woke up tomorrow yet. I understand that. But I want you to know that our God is so enormous. And he's everywhere at the same time. And he's living outside the realm of time. He's already in your tomorrow making plans and preparations for your arrival. And when you wake up tomorrow, the very best thing you can do is think, I've never lived this day before. But I'm grateful to know of a God who's already been here. And he knows the way better than I could ever know it. And about the smartest thing I can do is say, God, I'm not too smart at all. But you are. And so I want to humble myself before you and follow that which you've given me to do. And God, as I'm humble, I know it's going to require patience, but that patience placed in you leads to progress. And friends, when that's our heart, I'm telling you, like Joshua was able to move forward and get some great wins, we, we will do the same. When we slow down and follow his plan as revealed in the Bible, we'll find that he can use our lives for his glory in greater ways than than we'd ever imagine. And Joshua was wise enough at moments in his life to just slow down. Be still. Wait. Listen. Think. Believe. And without those times in our lives, we can be just as busy as we want to be, but I don't know that the progress will be what we'd like it to be. 
Would you all be so kind as to join me in standing once again? Why don't we bow our heads in a spirit of prayer and reverence?